don't know if you know this, but it is Women's History Month. I did not care. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> well, some cool things invented by women. Caller ID, call waiting. By Dr. Shirley Jackson. Space Station fucking batteries. Okay. By right. Olga Gonzalez. The oh. Space Station batteries help batterize that shit. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because as we all know, space runs on Energizer. Yeah, it's true. And probably the most important one, invented by Josephine Cochran, dishwasher. (laughs) (laughs) Is that real? That's real. Oh. I mean, you got to think about it. This lady wants to just, you know, her husband, raging fucking alcoholic. Right, of course. Comes home every day. Probably like, Irish. Yeah. I've been working all day, and you, you got all these dirty dishes, and she's like, I don't want to wash this shit, Steve. So, you know, she's like, man, fuck this. I don't want to wash these dishes by hands every day for this from a motherfucker. You know? So she invents a dishwasher. It's a little bit different. I saw little pictures of it. It looked like some squeegees and shit. I don't know how it worked. Hmm. Hey, but it, uh, she did it. Oh. So go, you girls. Good for her. Yeah. But what, what was History Month? Yeah, what year is that? Dude, I don't you ask me too many questions now. I think it was in like 18... Okay, yeah, this is what surprised me because it was in 1800s, but it was like late 1800s. Oh, shit. 1869? Oh. 1872. Yeah, they still use the rule of thumb rule. <laughs> yeah, then, should, they be like a, should be like the rule of thumb. How's that go? You can't do much with the... I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, whatever. As always... I'm staring at the beautiful Zach. I didn't create a new nickname for you, apparently. Kill wine. I'm Ryan LaFever. And this is Requiem for a Murder. As always, uh, if you'd like to support the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a fucking rating. Like, uh, oh, I like it when Zach deep throats that microphone. Three out of five stars, or four or five. Like Zach mentioned before, if you do a one star, don't be a bitch. To fucking tell me about it. Yeah. You be a man. Tell me why. Fucking and you know what? Put your address in there. I just want to talk. That's all. Choke me. <laughs> <laughs> so this one's a little bit different. Uh, Zach, I think you'll be happy to know that the woman we're covering today. Oh. Yes. None of our murders involve rape. Hashtag feminism. Yeah. Hashtag women are monsters too. Yes. Yes. Um, so we're covering Amy Archer Gilligan. She, her story starts back. Uh, she was a wealthy profiteer, proprietor, and she had property. And she was with her husband and some friends on a sailboat. And they hit a really bad weather storm, shipwrecked on an island, and she murdered everyone that was with her. And henceforth, that island has been dubbed, not officially, but it's been named Gilligan's Island. Wait. I'm just talking about the TV show. I just added a twist to it. (laughs) (laughs) So about 110 miles, just a short two-hour drive from New York. It's Milton, Connecticut, a now historical site 
and a suburb of Litchfield. Litchfield housed about 3,000 residents, 3,000 residents in the 1870s. And at present, the town has about 8,000 residents. <laughs> Some interesting history about Litchfield. In 1784, Litchfield became the home of the very first law school in the United States. And in, the seven, and in 1790, the population was sitting at a high of roughly 20,000 people. Going oh, from, damn. That's a lot back then. <laughs> that's a lot, especially considering now it's about 8,000. I was going to say, now it's a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> so, however, only 10 years later, like I said, down to down about four. This could be due to the mean old railroad bypassing them, thus cutting it off from the rest of the world. It was a cold winter night. Mary, young mother of seven children, just put her kids to bed. More than likely, she was tired. It's a lot of work, but she has needs. All work and no sex play makes Mary a mean bitch. So Mary decided to turn the heat up a bit in the bedroom with her personal fuckboy, James Dugan. Mary singing one of her favorite songs by Frank Loesser, Loser. Loser, louser. She moaned, saying to James when he was about to erupt, Baby, it's cold outside. James passionately agreed and came inside, gushing inside, sharing the love for the song. Immediately after he came, he looked Mary in the eyes and sang from the song. Same song. So very nice. So very nice. Oh, so very nice. This special fucking. Need an adult. This special fucking was around February 9th, 1873. Freeze frame. That's right, Zach. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going back there once again for another Satan math problem. Oh, hell, Satan. Satan math problem. Six, six, six. Mark of the beast. Three plus three. February 9th, 1873. Grab an unholy pen and paper if you want to follow along. So, two, nine, 1873. We're going to snatch the three, the third number, not the three number. <laughs> How are we talking? We're going to snatch the three number there, Jebediah. Take the three, take the two. That makes five. Throw those in the trash. Not no, happening. No, I don't know what math you're talking about, but three plus two equals me and my cousin do the hoo-hoo. And as we all know, that is called the unholy trinity. <laughs> So we're going to snatch the third number and subtract it by the first. 8 minus 2 equals 6. We got the first 6 out. Now we have 9, 1, 7, and 3. We're going to take the first number and subtract it by the last. Confusing? That's why you got your Satan pen. 9 minus 3 equals 6. We got our second 6. Ding, ding. Think of it like a fucking Satan fucking, what are those, casino slots. Satan sluts. 
slots, I mean. Uh, so we got two sixes. That leaves us with seven and one. This cannot line up any more perfectly. Seven plus one. No, no, we're minusing. Six, six, this eight. whole problem is minus. There's been no pluses. Oh. oh. Seven minus one equals six, Zach. Shit. Seven okay. plus one equals eight. It well, doesn't that, work. That, I mean, yours does make more sense. Yes, it does. So that's right. Satan math. February 9th, 1873 equals six, six, six. The day of the beast. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. I did. Because I worked really fucking hard on that. Actually, it just came to me yeah. one night. Right. And I was to listening to the baby. It's cold outside. Right. So very nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel like we need to do a public service announcement uh, to give back to everybody. We need to be educated. Yeah. You know, yeah. let's provide back to the community. If you plan on making a semen demon, but maybe want to lower the chances of it actually being a demon from hell, do a little pre-planning. The day of the fucking through Satan's math equals 666. Pull out. Pull out better than you've ever pulled out before. Wear a condom, some kind of birth control. If not, be prepared to live with the consequences. It was nine months later. The magical unholy fucking produced a baby girl. And on 31st October, 1873, Amy E. Dugan was born. Wait, she's born on Halloween? Fuck yeah. You, you did your Satan math problem, yep. and you didn't do the day of the dead which she was born. Well, we were going to get to it. I think that's more important. Right, well, we got to it. That's the double Satan. Man. <clears throat> that's what I'm saying. If October 31st isn't proof enough, that this for sure is a Semen demon. What do you think from she hell? Went? Huh? What do you think she went as on Halloween? <laughs> Day one in this world, covered in blood. Oh, son of a jackal! She doesn't even have to get dressed up. Yeah, just go as yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so th there is little information on Amy's child, on Amy's childhood. And early life. In fact, so little, her date of birth is referenced two different times. Two different dates come up. 1868, 1873. We chose 1873. Uh, it just made more sense for Satan. So, little is known, but this is what we do know. Amy was the eighth of ten children. She went to school at the Milton School. In 1890, at age 17, she attended the New Britain Normal School. Amy has claimed to attend New Milford's private school and that she trained as a nurse at Manhattan's Bellevue Hospital. However, no records of either being found. Amy could just be a lying bitch. Do we even know she existed? No, she existed. I've seen pictures of her. Yeah, sure you have. I have. Those black and white still pictures. You don't know shit. They are black and white. <laughs> this is fucking... This is uh, 100 years ago. Holy shit. Oh, town. Uh, the minds of the Dugan family is believed that mental illness ran in the family. This belief is led by John Dugan, her brother, being a resident at the Connecticut General Hospital for the insane. An insane asylum. You're looking Shit. at me crazy. You don't want to go back in time and get in an insane asylum. Those are oh. the rough places. <laughs> the rough place to be. Well. Darling, I'd say he's got himself a case of the 
Satan. Definitely possessed. Let's try heading him with that mallet. See what happens. <laughs> I'm going to beat this possession out to the boy. <laughs> or shock it at him. Cut it at you. Right. Rape it out of you. Well, um, you know, your mallet theory is a little uh, dated. Now, if you would allow me cutting-edge science, I want to take off some of the brain and see what happens. Mm, yes. I do believe with the cutting-edge science, what we'll do to cure what's wrong with the brain, what we'll do to cure what's wrong with the brain is just jam a fucking rod up in there. Poke it around a little bit. The janitor in the background. You guys tried uh, electricity? My God. My God. This Make that man a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> also, Amy's sister jumped off the roof of their home and was paralyzed. Oh, shit. Probably the, yeah, probably the same sister that became a resident there. I'm guessing. With a leap of faith. So the Dugan childhood home was the insane asylum. Pretty much. I mean, yeah, technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just family wasn't reunion. officially. That'd be really easy for a family reunion. Around the insane asylum. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's there. Amy, They're all, uh, Joseph. Okay. Walk down the hall. Keep your hands and feet inside the hallway at all times. We have strapped them down for your safety. <laughs> So Amy had some family issues. She may or may not have been tra trained as a nurse. And she also spent some time working as a bookkeeper. At the age of 23, she married James Archer, a turtleneck cardigan-wearing motherfucker who liked guns. Some of that is made up. Figure it out. Yeah. More foggy dates in either December of 1897, 88, or 89. Take your pick. Amy and James' daughter, Mary J., was born. In 1901, James and Amy got their first gig as caretakers. They moved into the home of an elderly man, John D. Seymour, to provide him with first-class care. They had, a, sorry, they had a daughter named Mary J.? Fuck yeah, they so, do. So, you're telling me... Who's in love with Mary Jane? <laughs> you're, you're saying... She's my main thing. She makes me feel all right. She makes me fuck all night. I don't think the last part's the actual lyrics. I don't remember. The first. It's a good song. The first devil smoking date. smoking weed. The first devil date. Having right? a lover relationship and then with marijuana. The second devil Because that's what we all do. We all fuck marijuana. Okay. Okay, okay, okay sorry. Then... <laughs> first devil date. Second devil date, and then they named their daughter after the devil's lettuce. Beautiful. Bitches. I love every. I want to go back and uh, get in there. Daughter, gush inside. She's like six right now. Yeah, but now you fucking pervert. She's she was born in what did I say? Eighty nine, maybe ninety eight, depending. Born later than that. But like I said, the dates are all fucked up. Um, it's it's just like a hundred and something. Yeah, later. If anything, I'm gonna call the cops. You know, unless this hundred. You know, we're fucking the dead here because she's probably dead. 
17 year old woman is trying to rape me. <laughs> uh, are you in a safe place? Well, I'm walking at a leisurely pace. I seem to be okay for now. <laughs> but, but her rascal's catching up on me. <laughs> she's got a cane. I don't know what she's going to do with it. <laughs> so they moved into the home of John D. Seymour. Three years later, with John passing away, the owners of the house allowed James and Amy to stay and rent the home. The couple turned the house into a nursing home, Sister Amy's nursing home for the elderly. For the next three years, Amy and James saved up their money, pinching pennies, which came in handy when in 1907, the Seymour family sold the house. The couple moved to Windsor, Connecticut, purchasing a beautiful red brick house on 37 Prospect Street and converted it to suit their newfound business talents. Open for business, the house was named Archer Home for Elderly People and Chronic Invalids. Fucking name. Huge name. Clearly, you didn't go to like marketing school or business talk land. I don't think he named it. I think it was her. I think Amy's the fucking power, power top, power bottom. How do you, what do you call that? I don't know. But she's, she's fucking pagan. (laughs) She's pagan him for sure. Oh, yeah. And he loves it. You know what's happening. Yeah. The only time that he fucks her and comes inside her is when they want to have kids. Right. Otherwise, She's just oh, fucking yeah. getting deep inside of him. <laughs> they make the old people watch. Oh, yeah. yeah it's what like are you a cinema. Do? Matinee. Go? Doing them a favor. They're too old to fuck anyways. We they don't, don't have, have TV. They don't have TV. There's they no don't radio? have Viagra. No, Everyone no is an Andre Chikatilo at this point. They haven't even fought their first world war. That's, they yeah, don't know what true. it's like to be alive. So watch this man get pegged in the ass. <laughs> I'm going to show you what the world is like, boy. <laughs> oh, good mental images. Mm-hmm. Archer's elderly business was rare in the early 1900s, as most old people were usually taken care of by their family. However, with shifts of time, Families were really relocating to places that that proved to have greater economic opportunity, and thus leaving their geriatric parents left behind. That shift left an economic opportunity, so the archers hit the marketing game, advertising with postcards and ads in the local newspaper. Their inmates, which is what the elderly lodgers were called back in these days, yeah, it's perfect, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, inmate, get back to your room. Uh, would pay anywhere from seven to twenty-five dollars weekly, or two hundred seventeen to seven hundred seventy-eight dollars weekly in today's money, respectively. Archers also provided a lifetime care option for their inmates, a flat rate of one thousand dollars, which is about thirty-three thousand dollars today. So thirty-three thousand dollars sounds good, unless that motherfucker lives for twenty years, hell, even ten years. Not gonna make it that long. You watch a man get pegged in the ass twice a week, every week. Look, Tuesday. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> Many elderly clients chose the lifetime option with about ten to twelve minutes in the house at a time. Minutes? Did I say minutes? I said minutes. With about ten to twelve inmates at a time. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> 
10 to 12 minutes. I'll take the lifetime option. That's fine, but you can only make me in the house 10 to 12 minutes 10 to a 12 day. minutes. I mean, you can be in the backyard. You can be in the backyard, but we got to cycle you all through. Try to plan it strategically. Yeah. It's going to rain today. Yeah. And for like most of the day. So when you're like thoroughly soaked and about to die, come on in. Then you got old man Ryan comes up. I only need about 30 seconds inside. That's all I take. <laughs> <laughs> Once I get this jangle, jangle, jingling again. Okay. Let the floodgates go. So, the, with 10 to 12 lifetime clients, we're bringing about $400,000 in today's money to the Archer's bank account. But if they're all lifetime, like we said, not reoccurring, at least not until they die. This business model to stay successful and well off, also considering cost of food, keep the lights on or lanterns, whatever, basic medical attention, that kind of thing. Well, this business model would require short lifespans, like we were kind of suggesting, of their clients. But sometimes old people can get really fucking old, man. <laughs> and the archers, they ain't got time for that. In 1909, the archers were sued by the McClintocks for lack of care given to their family member. Remember, elderly care? Elderly, the elderly care homes are a new hot ticket. So new, they yet to be regulated. Basically, giving the archers free reign to run it how they see fit. However, archers probably wanting to keep the prying eyes away. Settled out of court for $5,000 or about $150,000 in today's money. That's how much they were willing to like. That's five inmates. Here's this money. Let me beg. Old father. He he likes it. But we're going to beg him. Here's $5,000. We're going to make him mow the yard, paint the fence. And in about six months, we'll give it to him one last time. Hey, um, that reminds me, five thousand uh, dollars, five lifetime inmates. So we're gonna have to make new inmates. Come inside. Catch my drift. Yeah, yeah, gush, gush it. <laughs> All right, line up. Uh, it's time to call in your lifetimes. Let's <laughs> just turn into a fucking geriatric baby making facility i don't know how it's going to turn out you know but it could go it could work both ways you i get think, babies the old people are die in the process because i mean if i mean i don't think you have babies because of like menopause a, and shit it's kind of like a bee right where right. they have sex and they die that's what i imagine it's like when you're 80 oh no. yeah probably it's a way to go though I, i'm starting to see a pattern in what we do where a story that lacks rape we create it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't put put it together, but yeah, I think it's just because we're so used to it. Sure. So, um, yeah. So the next year in 1910, James Archer suddenly died of Bright's disease, leaving uh, you Bright's disease. What is it? Um, kidney failure. Yeah, it's kidney failure. I'm pretty sure. You sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's basically kidney failure. It sounded really unsure. No, 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 no. It's, it's this is an educational hey, man, who's who, who's, who, you know, who knows 
some things about the story. I'm just saying, we have a lot of kids that listen to this. I'd hate to give oh, them the not. wrong idea. Hey, if you're a kid listening to this, or a parent that lets your kid listen to this, going to especially jail. if you're a parent. Yeah, yeah you're going you're, to there's jail. something wrong with you. Don't let no kid listen to this. Um, I shouldn't even be listening to it, because I'm basically a kid. I'm a child. But, uh, yeah, so leaving Amy to run the business and care for the 12-year-old daughter all by herself. To add to the financial stressors, Mary attended Windsor's Campbell School for Girls. Not a soup school. No, no, no. A musically talented child whose tuition, which included piano lessons, would surmount to $460 annually. Roughly $18,000 a year in today's money. That's kind of a, I don't know, that's kind of a bit. I'm glad I don't spend, I don't think, $18,000 a year on tuition. You know. Might. For a twelve-year-old, you know, like taxes and all that shit. You yeah, we all do. So yeah, yeah, we sh- We the community comes together. What is it? it? Takes a village, right, to raise a chicken. All I'm saying though, if we got a bigger village and less chickens, <laughs> then we get smarter chickens. Oh, Hashtag, shit. and then the legalize. chickens take over. Well, here's, here's what I'm they, saying. Here's what and I'm then saying. we get those those muscle arms off a of fucking Etsy, and we put them on the chickens. And next thing you know, now we have them be our muscle men to go collect money. I think the analogy I was trying to get at was we should legalize abortion up to 13 years old. Let's not get it. uh, (laughs) (laughs) So um, Less children. Okay, I get what you're saying. Smarter children. Yeah, up to 13 years old. Let's legalize murder. No, no, no. (laughs) No, no. All right, we're getting a little off here. (laughs) Luckily, Amy took out an insurance policy weeks before her husband's death, which helped with her financial burdens, but for how long? From the time the Archer home opened to 1912, 12 residents had died, or 12 inmates, which isn't really alarming. That's only four per year, and since they're all old as fuck, it doesn't really raise any red flags. Those four per year, if the inmates' stock was replenished, <laughs> I actually called them stock, huh? No, but if they were replenished with lifetimers that would amount to steady income of about $140,000 a year in today's money, that would be a good bracket if you could keep it up. In late 1913, Amy set out to the Lonely Hearts column. Check out our episode of Nanny Doss for a bigger trip into that sexy old school tender world. We don't know exactly how she went about finding her next boy toy, but in late 1913, Amy... Shaving some years off her age on the wedding license, married Michael Gilligan. Michael was a wealthy widower, four adult sons. He was also very interested in investing in his home for the elderly. Sadly for Michael. Huh? He's about to be in our home for the elderly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sadly for Michael, their marriage didn't last long. On February 20th, 1914, age of 56, Michael died of valvular heart disease and or acute bilis attack. Which, is that more kidney failure? A bilis attack is basically indigestion issues. Maybe you can't shit. You know, you're holding your fart in too much. It's, you know, digestive shit. Hot damn. Can you believe people want to, like, live back in these times? They're like, oh, I was born too late in life. This man can't shit. <laughs> and he died because he didn't have any medical solution. <laughs> <laughs> On the gravestone. 
Here lies. Here lies Michael, the man who couldn't shit. <laughs> so luckily for Amy, yet again, Michael had a will. This will left his estate valued over $4,000, which is about 132 grand. Uh, but Michael's family was furious about the state's destined recipient because they were fairly fucking married. So they were a little bit upset. Yeah. And there are, you know, some findings that it would appear that Amy had forged the will, claiming that uh, it was written in handwriting. And in Amy's handwriting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so I don't know. Either way, she got paid. On May 29th, 60-year-old Franklin Andrews, a resident at the Archer home, was outside, happy, doing yard work. He was slightly crippled but healthy and could still manage to paint the property fence that day. However, later that day, Franklin Andrews collapsed. And two, lady, and two days later, he was dead. Cause of death? A gastric ulcer. Now, unlike most of the residents at the Archer's house, Franklin had some family nearby. Franklin's family was in a regular contract with him, which can create some problems. While Franklin's sister, Nellie Pierce, was collecting his personal effects, she came across something peculiar. 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 Peck. You. Peck. Uvula. Oh. Peck you. Look, you're Uvula. <laughs> it was a letter from Amy. Peck, you're a lawyer. Right. <laughs> uh it was a letter from Amy to Franklin requesting money in terms of a loan of a thousand dollars. With the nature of the letters, Franklin being healthy, in a good mood, accompanied with his untimely death, Nellie was suspicious. She initially reached out to Hume M. Alcorn, district attorney. Zach, what do you what what usually happens? these stories when someone dies right. or maybe he's held captive and their family member is like oh my god and they and they go out to the authorities and they're like hey help me well they killed him what well, usually happens how much money do you have <laughs> no that's not what happens <laughs> you just tell them to go fuck off yeah no fuck you <laughs> they're they doing, don't believe it hey hey Hey, what are they doing to you? Oh, what are they doing to you? Oh, go fuck you then. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> and some, and uh, what was it, the Gary Michael Heidnick episode? Yeah. You know, even though she was young, mentally handicapped, the police were just like, oh, well, girls are age. It's normal for them to run away. Well, here they're probably like, he was, he was what, 60? Oh, well, guys this age, they, they die. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens to and them. Sometimes old. they're old people die. A little forgetful and they loan people money. Yeah. And they shouldn't. Yeah. So ignored, right? Well, with Nellie's alarming pleas of murderous Amy being ignored, the bodies kept piling up. From nineteen eleven to nineteen sixty. Nineteen sixteen. From nineteen eleven to nineteen sixteen, forty eight people had died in the Archer home. The bodies were stacking. The law wasn't helping, so Nellie set out to the Hartford Current newspaper told them the story. It's almost, almost one a month. <laughs> Pretty close. 
Yeah, you know, that's, one person. That's, I mean, like a that's quite a bit of money too. Like a fully packed nursing home today might lose one person a month. Yeah, but they but got like a lot ten, more people. Yeah, like a ten-person nursing home losing <laughs> one a month. Yeah, that every would, year recycling yeah. the stock almost like, like on the <laughs> on the same day. Like it's like it's on the you go into your office it's on the calendar like. Kill Richard today. <laughs> March 2nd. I don't know who yet. Uh, whoever doesn't clean the bathroom well enough. <laughs> whoever just pisses me off. Can I Can I have some more soup? Oh, yeah, I guess, because tomorrow's the 2nd, and uh, I've made a decision. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Listen, you can either have a warm glass to shut the fuck up, or... <laughs> Moving on up, moving on up. <laughs> so now the Hartford Current did some work, specifically Aubrey Maddock, the assistant city editor. Aubrey investigated the strange case so hard. Yay, women. See, we got another winner and mover on both sides of the line. Hmm. I like right. it. Go women. Yeah. Right. Aubrey found the unusually high death count in the home accompanied by financial stress, a very interesting fact. Naming on multiple occasions, one occasion specifically, just weeks before the death of her second husband, took a trip down to the Windsor Pharmacy, the H.H. Mason's Drug Store. Amy apparently had a rat and bed bug, bed bug problem and was in need of a large quantities of arsenic. Such a large infestation that the amount she purchased would have been enough to kill over a hundred people. Uh, so I'm gonna need some some rat poison, some bed bug killer. Okay. Uh, how, how big would you how would you say they are? Well, the rats are six feet tall. <laughs> About uh five ten, five eleven, two hundred pounds. <laughs> uh, gray hair, thin skin. Uh, well, I've encountered those rats before. <laughs> <laughs> the bed bugs are uh same size. <laughs> <laughs> well, how many how many of these how many of these bed bugs do you have? Ten. That t- a thousand. Aubrey investigated the desk and found a common cause of death relating to stomach issues and sudden death. The current headed straight to the big house. Governor, I do declare we have a murder. Governor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the police now armed with Aubrey's information decided it was time to quietly go into the action. You say quietly or quickly? Quietly. Quietly. They, going probably, <laughs> they probably went quickly, too. They're just like, uh... Buddy Holly. Hey. Buddy in here being murdered. Is there any fucking rats can be murdered in here? Yeah, this is the Rats Humane Society program. Hey, uh, dispatch, uh, my location, send backup. I got a uh, number of bed bugs out here, about 200 pounds each, uh, five foot ten. One of them is, uh, says his name's Frank. <laughs> uh, 1094, you said, uh, Frank? Frank the Rat? I know that motherfucker. Bring him on down here. <laughs> so they went in there quietly, that- under the cover of darkness. 
At 9 p.m., Franklin's body was exhumed and taken down. I didn't say where they were going. They went down to uh, the cemetery. Oh, that's why quietly. <laughs> they went like to her house quietly. Not yet. Okay. They will. Okay, go so fucking yeah, so <laughs> fucking quiet. I'm talking they quieter than the rat infestation oh, yeah. in that home. Yeah. yeah. Just imagine you could barely hear Frank. Frank, I can hear you, motherfucker. Frank, I can fucking hear you. Quiet, Frank. Still hear you, Frank. Frank, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so at 9 p.m., Franklin's body was exhumed and taken down to the tool house to perform an autopsy under the light of two lanterns. Which sounds like some monster vampire shit Medieval to me. Frankenstein type <laughs> shit. Yeah. This is the largest rat I've ever seen. Oh! Igor! Yes! Bring me my lantern. Oh, I will bring your lantern. Oh. It's alive! Here's your lantern, boss. <laughs> you still want a hand job underneath the table while you perform your autopsy. Igor. Yes? Not with the police. No. Please, will you leave the room? <laughs> I need to jerk the doctor off. <laughs> so, Dr. Arthur J. Wolf. Convenient last name, Mr. Fucking Werewolf. Right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Performed the autopsy. Franklin's body was well-preserved. The stomach was very bloated. The good doctor removed several organs. No one's surprised. A prisoner of arsenic was found. Not just a little bit. Apparently enough arsenic to kill six men. Many other residents' bodies, including Amy's second husband, was exhumed. You think after the police brought all the other bodies, you know, they were exhumed and autopsy done? Oh, yeah. The Igor was sucking them off. Well, no, 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 I'm saying the police were like, hey, uh, we're going to go bury them. And Dr. Wolf just like, I can give you pieces back. The rest I have are taken them. Just for Igor's girlfriend. Yeah, they're going to build a person. Igorette. Yeah. Fun fact. Oh. Dr. Wolf? Yeah. Wrote Frankenstein. Oh, damn. That's a lie. Oh. But he could have. I believed you. You don't know. Yeah, you don't know who wrote that. No, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Like and the they were Bible. probably a woman. There's another one. Oh, okay. history. <laughs> so, on May 8, 1916, the police arrived at the Archer home for elderly people in chronic invalids. Arrested Amy Archer Gilligan. She was charged for five counts of murder. The next day, the Hartford Current headlines read, Police believe Archer home for aged, a murderer factory. With the sway of her lawyer, ultimately, Amy was charged of one count of first-degree murder, though indicted for five murders. In all, Amy was suspected of murdering at least 20 of her inmates. Hence, the murder factory! Sorry, I get carried away. If you don't like it, go fuck yourself, man. 
Okay, I'm sensitive. I like to do things like this. You earned that one star today. Oh, I get him. I don't want you one star, but coming from. Listen, okay. I listened to their podcast. It was all good. They got. They were talking about history. You know, they were talking about you know the power of women and everything. And then they started talking about Igor jerking off this doctor who apparently was a fucking werewolf. And none of it made sense. Okay, I just don't get it. It's fucking stupid. I, I don't. I, I came here to listen to a podcast. And is, that's what it is, a podcast, but I didn't want to, you know, I know it's supposed to be a murder co- podcast with comedy, but, you know, this is not what I wanted. One star. This week on Requiem for a Night, today we dive into the death of Amy. <laughs> the one star. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, this, this is what you want, isn't it? The 60-minute shit. Are you not entertained? So, the trial began on June 21st, 1917. And this trial took a while, a long while. On July 13th, less than a month later, the jury, after four hours, found Amy Archer Gilligan guilty. Amy was sentenced to be hanged on November... I know, it's fucking punk rock, bro. Yeah. On November 6th, 1917. However, through appeals... A new trial was granted and began in June 1919. Not punk rock, bro. This time, he pleaded insanity. This could be accepted as Mary Archer, Amy's daughter, testified that Amy was addicted to morphine. Ultimately, the, the court believed she couldn't have been capable of premeditated murder because of her degraded mentality as a real result of morphine use. On July 1st, 1919, Amy... Throwing a wild card, pleaded guilty to second-degree murder. The judge, John E. Keeler, accepted the plea and said, quote, I am satisfied that from the evidence that they have heard and from my instructions to them, the jurymen would have been satisfied that during the period when she is claimed to have planned and executed the murder of Franklin R. Andrews, there were some doubts as to her sanity, her ability to premeditate and act with the expressed malice the law's demands for murder in the first degree. All my judges sound like that. I know. So, yeah. I don't know where they're from. <laughs> they, they're all town priors, man. <laughs> Unless they're like Central American, then they sound like, okay, so they probably killed the man. They probably killed the man. But I mean... Okay. Maybe they killed the man. Maybe they didn't. Okay, Hefe. Oh, delay. Uh, <laughs> I sentenced. I, 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 I sentenced you to uh, death, Hefe. I know you stole that burrito. I made that. My grandmother made me that burrito, and you ate it. I Guilty. thought the, this is a free country. And then his mom. Ay 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 ay, Dios mío. Amy Archer Gilligan was sentenced to life in prison. Her new forever home at the state prison in Wethersfield would be short-lived. On July 17, 1924, just five years later, Amy was declared insane and was immediately transferred to the Connecticut General Hospital for the insane in Middletown. Where is Amy today? Well, she is happily dead. She's fucking dead. She's dead, all right? Amy died in the hospital uh, for the insane on April 23, 1962. Chet. The right long life in there. Oh, yeah. 94 years old. 
That bitch Damn. was chicken. Oh, shit. Do you think she gave them a one-time lifetime payment? <laughs> <laughs> and they actually honored it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a long time. thousand dollars I've ever taken. Guards, you realize how you guys can't run a business. Because for $1,000, you let me live until I'm 94. You're going to go fucking broke. Trust me, I know. I did this for a living. I mean, I think we paid her in the wrong way. Right? So, hear me out. She starts killing these people. And her second husband. Maybe her first. Yeah. Nothing in there said she did, but I'd like to think she did. Yeah, yeah. So, this is just before World War One started. Mm-hmm. And before America got involved. Yeah. She gave them the gift of not knowing... Uh-huh. What that would be like. Oh, peaceful. Peaceful. Yeah, peace. It's a peaceful moment. Oh, wow. You give her Interesting. this lifetime payment, and she gives you a lifetime of peace. Yeah, so, okay. For so moment. we're advocating for murder here. No, 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 no. No, no, listen. <laughs> I'm not saying we're advocating murder. <laughs> all I'm saying like is, that. all I'm saying is, who are we to judge? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh... So she died at the age of 94 or 88, depending on who you ask, because she did fudge her uh, marriage license. Um, so take your pick. Doesn't matter. Fuck Amy. I'm not advocating for her murder in ways like do, Zach is. Did we do a different Amy? Amy Bishop. Yeah, we did. And these fucking 80s, man. Yeah, I think this one was more chill about what she did, though. You know, she was fucking shooting up morphine. So you know, you can't be fucking that angry psychotic taking care of people recycling stock you know i don't know but uh fun fact amy's story was turned into a broadway comedy see see zach and all you people listening we're not all that different we're not all that fucked up people have been laughing around murder for ages even on broadway every time i see uh the julius caesar skit in the park Laugh my ass off. When we get stabbed. <laughs> just Ed, that part, though. <laughs> Ed, two boots. Hey, 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 this is just boring. Get to the stabbing. Yeah, 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 that's it. <laughs> dab, 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 dab. Get him in the butt. Get him around the butt. <laughs> so, thanks for joining us on Rockin' for a Murder. Again, if you like the show and want to support us, the best way you can do that is to follow us on your favorite podcast platforms. Tell your friends about the show. Word of mouth goes a long way. And uh, this is the mouth to ear game. Spread that mouth. Yeah, just put it to work for us. That is, feels good for us. You put that mouth to work for us. Put this mouth to work for you. <laughs> and give us a little rating. The follows and ratings will help us get featured and help us get found by lovely, sexy people like yourself. And, you know, thanks. Thanks to all the women out there. You know, without you. We wouldn't exist. We wouldn't have space station batteries. Right. And we wouldn't have beautiful, luscious titties. We'd have nipples. What's a nipple without titties? That's a world I don't want to live in. I don't want to live in that world, Zach. Because we got to live on this world together. we got to love each other. we got to respect each other. And we got to have nipples with titties. No exceptions. Don't take this away from me. I need nipples with titties. So thanks, women. Titties. And the dishwasher. 
And also, thanks for the Kevlar. Because Kevlar was invented by a woman. Yeah, sure. Saving lives. Yeah. 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 Fuck yeah. You, you think? know a man didn't invent that. Wait, wait a second. What woman did you know in the army that liked their Kevlar? You think if a woman invented it, they would have made it more comfortable for women? Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Very well. Usually, have you ever seen one of those Kevlar diapers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, that was made by a woman. It's got to be. <laughs> the funny thing is, funny thing is, we're not going to wear them. We're going to make these Kevlar diapers. We're going to make the men wear them. And then we're going to laugh at them. Hey, look at that stupid fuck wearing put, the Kevlar diaper. Put the flap over the front, and there's a flap over the back, and they like, they like button up, and we'll say it's for shrapnel. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> It doesn't do nothing at all. So, you know, you know, like we said, you know what else we want to have if women insist that? Dishwashers. In more way than one. (laughs) You get it? You get it? Do you get it? Do you get the sexist joke? Did I just take away from all the nice women stuff I said? As always, (laughs) that's Requiem for Murder. Until next time, I'm calling the police.